Have you ever felt a twinge of worry about AI taking over your job or diluting your creativity? Well, what if you could turn that fear into creative fuel? We've just published an amazing new ebook called The Four Keys to Success in an AI World. And this is more than just a guide. It's a deep exploration into the human skills that AI can't touch. The skills that are essential for standing out and thriving, no matter how much technology evolved. We're talking about real differentiators here like creativity, emotional intelligence, critical thinking, and much more. Inside, you'll find actionable insights and strategies to develop these skills, whether you're a creative person, a business person, or just simply someone who loves personal development. This isn't a story about tech taking over. It's a story of human creativity thriving alongside AI. Picture this, AI as your creative co-pilot, not just as a tool, but a collaborator that enhances your unique human skills. The Four Keys ebook will show you exactly how to do that and view AI in a new way that empowers you instead of overshadows you. Transform your creative potential today. Head over to unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys. Use the number four, K-E-Y-S. That's unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys and download your free copy. Um, being extremely hard on ourselves is, uh, is, is very common in the kind of high stress and anxiety space because that's kind of what got us there in the first place. Um, now I can... Now I, I kind of I love using the word curiosity. So when I get into these instances, I I go to a curious place and say, is this, you know, is this necessary? Does it really impact other people? Do I really care? You know, the, the people that are impacted, do I really care what they think? You know, because so much of so much of our, our struggle in life is caring about caring massively about what other people think of us. And the reality is, is that for me, there's, you know, a handful of people in the world that actually, you know, can affect my emotions in terms of what I think. And so, you know, catering to everybody else is, is to my own detriment. I'm Srini Rao, and this is the Unmistakable Creative Podcast, where you get a window into the stories and insights of the most innovative and creative minds who've started movements, built thriving businesses, written best-selling books, and created insanely interesting art. For more, check out our 500-episode archive at unmistakablecreative.com. Doing creative work can be kind of lonely, and that's why we built the Unmistakable Listener Tribe. The tribe is a community for professionals to connect and support each other. Everything is designed to help you grow your business and share what's working and what isn't. And that's true whether you're a business owner or an artist. You'll get access to feedback, live conversations with guests, and so much more. By joining the tribe, you become part of a community of creators who all support each other, and it's completely free. Hopefully, I'll see you there. Visit unmistakablecreative.com slash tribe to join. Again, that's unmistakablecreative.com slash tribe. Tim, welcome to the Unmistakable Creative. Thanks so much for taking the time to join us. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it is really, really my pleasure. You know, I came across your story by way of our mutual friend, Philip McKernan, and you and I actually met at Philip McKernan's event. And when he, you know, uh, sent me a list of people that he recommended to interview, he recommended you in, in that batch. And every single person he's, he's recommended has been phenomenal. So it was kind of a no-brainer to, to have you here. And of course, no pressure at all. Uh, yeah. But I want to start by asking you, um, what social group were you a part of in high school? And what impact has that had on the choices that you have made with your life and your career? Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I think the social group I was part of in high school was um, the popular one, although I was I was kind of having to pretend to be somebody else to fit in, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, I never felt like it was I was naturally part of that group. It was like, right, how do I how should I talk? What should I wear? How should I be to kind of assimilate with these people? And um, I spent a lot of my life doing that. Mm. Yeah. How do you resolve that tension um between this sense that you, you know you're part of this group but you don't feel like you're part of it and you're having to put on an act um in order to be part of it um i think that's something that i didn't figure out until i was 35 years old was that um my whole life had been about pretending to be somebody else to try and fit in with the crowd from high school to my professional career and then finally um, as we will talk about when I get into my story, um, I think the pressure of having to to wear the mask or the pressure of having to be somebody else eventually caught up with me. And I was like, ah, I need to actually just be myself. Yeah. 
You know, it's weird. I mean, I, I think, you know, I had the, the similar realization probably around 35, 36. And, and you kind of wonder why is it that we don't have that realization when we're, you know, young? I, I mean, I remember, mm. um, you know, the kinds of things that I would do in order to fit in, you know, like I went out for the football team in seventh grade and I got the shit beat out of me on a daily basis because two <laughs> friends of mine went out for the football team uh, because I lived in Texas where there are literally seventh graders the size of grown men. Mm. Um, you know, it, I mean, all sorts of goofy things. Like I remember, you know, when we had a fifth grade dance, I asked my dad to buy me a pair of sunglasses for the dance because I thought it would make me cool. <laughs> and that way I could talk to the prettiest girl in class. And, you know, I, it's only, you know, looking back as an adult that I recognize that we do this. And I'm, I'm wondering why you think it is that it takes so long before we come to that realization. Mm. You made me think of something for the sports analogy. I used to play ice hockey and ended up playing to quite a competitive level. But when I first started, because I'm pretty tall, I'm six foot three, and I got into a bit of a ruckus with somebody and punched him in the face. <laughs> I wasn't a goal scorer because I wasn't naturally talented. But when I got all the teammates and all the fans were like, oh, that was amazing. You should do that more often. So, you know, I instantly became a bit of a goon. Uh Um, But but again, just fitting in and and liking the validation. I think we have this kind of never-ending search for validation where, and, and this maybe answers part of your question, for a lot of our lives, it's like, Pat on the back, Tim. Good boy. Well done. Off you go. And I kind of I needed that for so long until I decided or started to cultivate it for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, in my life, uh, it took until I was mid thirties because that's just how long it took to break me before I realized that I just was forced to change. I had to do something different. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think that makes a, a perfect segue. So to, to start talking about you know what it is that led to you to your change and to your breaking point and to the work that you're actually doing today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I um, so kind of moving on from that. Uh, from my youth, when I got into my working life, I continued to aspire to things which were kind of put in front of me by other people. So it was like, you know, I remember my dad used to phone me up and he was like, how's work going? So I was like, oh, work's important. Better do more of that. Um, So I was always trying to get pay rises and make more money and aspire to kind of get to the next level. Um, That seemed, seemed to be my pursuit. And I did that for a long time. And this was in the late 90s kind of dot-com boom time when, you know, the the boss would come in on a Friday with a bottle of vodka and say, right, whoever does the most sales calls today can start doing shots in the office. Um, and then whoever did the most deals in a month, you can borrow the Ferrari for the weekend. And it was very boiler room tactics, um, which was exciting then. And I thought, you know, this is what life's about. It's just about cranking out the cash. Um, and my lifestyle grew along with that success. So every time I got a pay rise, I'd say, right, now I could maybe buy a nicer car or a bigger house. And so, you know, I believe that we tend to grow into our pay rises. It's very hard to get more money uh, or it used to be hard to get more money and say, I'm not going to do a bit more with it. So after like 10 to 12 years in that industry, um, I became the vice president of sales for a technology company. I had a team of people under me. Um, and I, I kind of started to feel pressure in that role. I started to feel like my boss was like, what are the sales numbers? And then we'd hit the sales number and the first of the next month. It was like, right, what are you going to do this month? Like the never ending um, hit your target message. And and so I, that pressure was building up. I also had children at this point. So I started to feel this this kind of dual stretch, one from the office saying, get in here, Tim. When are you going on the next trip? do another presentation. And then my wife and kids saying, why are you never here? And and why do you even go to work? Even when there's a foot of snow on the ground outside, you still have to risk your life for this very important job. Um, And so that built up one day to I created this kind of perfect storm um, in my mind of neglecting myself on so many fronts. I flew from Toronto to London to do a, a business presentation for a partner um, and I did what I'd always done, which was get off the plane, go and meet my friends and go and drink as much as I possibly could in the amount of time I had. Um, that was kind of a badge of honor back then was like we could go out and get shit faced and still wake up the next morning and, and do a good job. Um, I'm not sure what we were thinking, but the, that following morning, I woke up, went to the coffee shop, double espresso with a hangover, walked into the room. And kind of went to start this presentation and had 
what I call is a sort of M&M moment where I started to launch into my spiel, which I'd done a thousand times, and I had a panic attack. The first panic attack I'd ever had, I had it there in that moment. Um, at, initially, I didn't know it was a panic attack. I just thought I was dying um, because my heart felt all sporadic, and I started to sweat, and I started to shake. Um, I felt like the room was spinning, and... This was happening kind of a hundred miles an hour, but the people in the room are all looking at me and I'm like having, you know, I've gone inside and I'm having all these thoughts and fears and I want the ground to open and, and swallow me up. So that's kind of, um, that was the first time that I got a big slap in the face. Mm. A lot can happen in the next three years, like a chatbot, maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. As creators, we're always on the move. Whether it's a live podcast event, a pop-up shop, or a workshop, we're constantly interacting with community, and that's where Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe comes in. Imagine this. You're at a live event, a listener loves your merch, or a participant wants to sign up for your course on the spot. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, you can accept their payments right there and then, right from your iPhone so there's no extra hardware or no delays. Total game changer. It's not just for creators. Any business owner can do this. It's about making transactions smoother and much more personal, growing your business in your way. We've been using Stripe for our products and courses for a long time. And now with Tap to Pay on iPhone, you can take your business to the next level too. So visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone to learn more. Remember folks, with Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, your business is always at your fingertips. Yeah. So keep going. Yeah, so um, I'm kind of in that, in that moment, I wanted to run out of the room. So I did. I walked out of the room and I, the, the irony is I was in a high security IT building, so I couldn't actually get out, which was kind of weird. Uh, so I went up to the guy that had brought me in and said, give me a key card. I need to escape. And, and he was like, didn't your presentation just start? And I was like, yeah. So um, I'd also just hired a country manager for England. It was his first day on the job and he'd come to watch me do the presentation. So I had all this pressure I was loading onto myself but I went into the the restroom 
splashed some water on my face and and started this um catastrophizing story in my head of now i'm gonna lose my house and i'm gonna have to pull my kids out of private school i'm gonna lose my cars and within you know a couple weeks i'll be divorced and living on the streets probably as a result of this meltdown that just occurred so i was going full-on beat the shit out of yourself mode um you know they finally found out that you're a fraud tim they finally figured it out which goes back to your original question of what i was like in school um and that was i went back into that room um and kind of i had this like honesty um almost like i just couldn't lie i just went back into the room and stood in front of the people and just said look i don't know what's wrong with me i don't know what just happened I'm really sorry. Um, I'm going to try and do my best to, to scrape through this. And I, my legs were shaking so much I sat down. And it was like every word I said, my throat was just open enough just to squeeze it out. And um, I got through that day. Um, I'm not sure how on reflection, but uh, went back to my hotel room that night and lay down on my bed um, and just cried. And um, I feel like years of suppressed emotion sort of poured out of me and i just laid there for a few hours i I phoned my wife and told her what happened um and all i really wanted was um to go and see my mum. and my mum lives in england so i could have i could have figured that out i just wanted to go and see my mum and be taken care of again you know just have her like look after me and she would have made me a cup of tea and and uh all would have been well in the world but I couldn't do that because I was still in the shame um, zone. So I was still just beating the crap out of myself for for failing, really, for just letting everybody down. Even though in reality, I didn't, you know, it was was blown out of proportion in my mind. But that's what anxiety does. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, yeah, that was the, the biggest incident. And then, you know, and then everything started to change in my life after that. Okay, so many questions come from that. Um, mm. This tendency to beat ourselves up and to you know make things mean something that they don't. You know, I I only know this because I have this tendency. You know, for example, I had a conversation with my business partner last night about priorities, and he said, "I want you to know something. This is not you know resentment in any way at all, or a jealousy or envy." And he said, "I know you well enough to know that you'll ruminate on something, and it will turn into all of these stories in your head." Um, and he said just know that it's none of those things that you're probably, you know, going to start ruminating on. Um, so I, I'm curious, how do you separate your, how do you develop that ability to not take a situation or circumstance and make it mean something that sort of stimulus response that happens, you know, without even conscious awareness necessarily, you immediately launch into this beat yourself up story. Mm. Yeah, I think it's, um, well, I think the first thing is awareness. Mm-hmm. So, you know, back then I didn't have the awareness that I have today. Um, and so I, I believed that um, I should feel pain. It was almost like it's almost like sometimes I think people feel like they need to f- feel some pain to, to kind of, you know, beat themselves up a bit for, for whatever's going on. But um, being extremely hard on ourselves is, uh, is, is very common in the kind of high stress and anxiety space because that's kind of what got us there in the first place. Um, now I can, now I, I kind of, I love using the word curiosity. So when I get into these instances, I, I go to a curious place and say, is this, you know, is this necessary? Does it really impact other people? Do I really care you know, the, the people that are impacted, do I really care what they think? You know, because so much of so much of our, our struggle in life is caring about caring massively about what other people think of us. And the reality is, is that for me, there's, you know, a handful of people in the world that actually, you know, can affect my emotions in terms of what I think. And so, you know, catering to everybody else is, is to my own detriment. So did you leave this job um, immediately after this happened? Um, no, I didn't. I did what we normally do, which is I struggled for a bit. <laughs> um, as, our, as our mutual friend, Philip McKernan, would say, um, we, we kind of – people will change when, when the pain gets bad enough. Yeah. And uh, my pain wasn't quite bad enough, so I endured for a bit longer. But, yeah, it was very – 
awkward in the office. I actually went into the business and said, look, I don't want to be vice president of sales anymore. I want to be vice president of business development. And uh, everybody in business knows that VPs of business development is a bit of a a stealth job where you can kind of pretend to be working and <laughs> off you go for a business meeting and you shut, got the office door shut because you've got some very important phone call, which ends up nothing happening. And, and so I thought that's perfect because I can just hide indefinitely. Um, and so I did that for a bit and, and I would shut my door and, and do that kind of thing. But it was just like my commute was an hour each way to work. And, and for the whole hour there, an hour back, I would be in agony with, with my stomach churning and just feeling so incongruent with the life I was living um, that eventually I I did leave. Eventually I, I went into my boss and, and just said, listen, I, I don't want to work here anymore. I can't do this. Um, and he was, you know, we got on extremely well and, and uh, had a good relationship and, and he kind of tried to talk me out of it and eventually realized that that wasn't going to work. So yeah, I, I did leave. And part of that um, came from the fact that you know, first of all, I didn't admit that I had anxiety. I was like, it must just be stress. And then second of all, I thought that anxiety was um, sort of a chronic condition. And then eventually I came to the realization that my life had caused it. And so in order to change, you know, my feeling, change my emotion, I had to change my situation. So leaving the job was the first part of that. Mm. You know, this is a question that um, has come up for me a lot, um, and that this this idea of why is it that it takes often so much pain for change to occur in our lives? Like, why is it that we often have to have pain as the catalyst, and, and it doesn't change until we experience significant pain? Yeah, I mean, I just I come across this a lot because I don't even think humans learn vicariously very well. I mean, there's loads of you know, 20 somethings today who listen to your podcast or mine or, or other things and, and pick up on concepts. But until we've actually been there and, and felt what it feels like to be in that situation, I mean, literally, you know, because of the income that I was generating from that job and the, the reliance I felt that the people had on me, um, it was easier to bury it for a long time than actually make a significant change but now looking back um i'm almost glad it happened because it forced me to do something different uh -huh. uh, i, I would have it would have been desperate to carry on like that kind of oblivious for so long but yeah i think um you know it's like a lot of things in life uh hu human nature just seems to be that we need to be, you know we need to be told we've got diabetes or we've got a health concern in order to actually take charge and do something different hmm. yeah so, you know, I want to talk um, quite a bit more about the entire sort of idea of anxiety, because, you know, I think in a lot of cases, you know, from what you're telling me, it sounds like there are people even who are not aware that they have anxiety. Um, yeah. They just feel like this is who I am and this is how I operate. Um, so I'm curious kind of one, you know, how we define anxiety first, because I think by defining it, we can start to figure out how to work with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So great question. And I think, um, I think my anxiety, I think I've, first of all, I've always been a sensitive person. Um, when I think back to childhood and I think, uh, uh, for me, my anxiety was sort of, um, I think of like a, a volcanic river under the earth and eventually it just erupted through and became a bigger thing for me. But I think it was always there, um, in that I believe that people with anxiety kind of have this extra sensory perception. They feel more, they're more aware of, human interaction and conversations and just they see more stuff going on and and that could be beneficial that could be a superpower but it could also be a limiting factor when you're thinking about negative thoughts or intrusive thoughts or things that you don't want to feel or experience and you can't break that loop but to define anxiety i think is essentially you know elevated uh, amounts of fear which you can't which don't naturally dissipate um so of course, as humans, we're all designed to feel anxiety. It's what keeps us alive. It's what um, makes the species endure. Um, but once the threat has passed or the, 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 the threat that wasn't real in the first place, we, we know that it wasn't real, but we can't move on from that. Um, I think that's where anxiety becomes a thing and people get caught in that in the circle of fear. Mm-hmm. So the naturally the next question then is how do you break um, the cycle or, or how do you how do you reduce it and overcome it? 
Yeah. Um, so one of the one of my mantras, one of my taglines is is stop coping and start changing. Mm. Um, and the reason I say that is because I believe the system today is designed around coping, um, and is part of the reason I'm doing the work I do because I just think if somebody wakes up tomorrow, has their first panic attack, their default is going to be to go to the doctor as we do. And the doctor is going to say, here, take these pills. Um, and the person will take the pills. It'll put a bandaid over the actual anxiety. So there's no, there's nothing being resolved. And then we've got at some point a dependence on the medication and withdrawal symptoms and side effects that come along with that. Um, and then there's a whole host of other stuff, like whether it's deep breathing techniques and, and even things like meditation to some extent on in isolation um, aren't the answer. So when I look at when somebody comes to me and says, I've got anxiety and I, I can't do interviews or I can't get on airplanes or I blush or I, you know, struggle in relationships. The first thing I do is I say, great, you know, that is we've, we've, we know what the what the kind of manifestation of your anxiety is. But tell me about your life. Um, and what I find is, is that much like if you're driving a car and you neglect to put air in the tires and you don't take care of the suspension and so on and so forth, eventually the steering wheel will start to shake. The alignment is off and our life is no different. You know, when I dig into people's stories, it's, it's relationships, it's environment, it's the workplace, it's um, often things that, you know, beliefs that they had growing up. And and, and I'm almost like a, an investigator of people's lives to, to figure it out. And there's often things that we can do to address the actual outcome, whether it's, you know, techniques to, to overcome the, the anxiety. But the, the meaningful change is done at the origin point. The meaningful change is done in terms of if we fix the alignment, the anxiety reduces and a combination of those things whilst also cultivating some new confidence, cultivating some belief in ourselves is what means that we can embrace the anxiety and say, this is actually a part of me and I'm going to pick it up and, and move on with my life. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive & June. Olive & June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. As creators, we're always on the move. Whether it's a live podcast event, a pop-up shop, or a workshop, we're constantly interacting with community. And that's where Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe comes in. Imagine this, you're at a live event, a listener loves your merch, or a participant wants to sign up for your course on the spot. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, you can accept their payments right there and then, right from your iPhone so there's no extra hardware or no delays. Total game changer. It's not just for creators. Any business owner can do this. It's about making transactions smoother and much more personal, growing your business in your way. We've been using Stripe for our products and courses for a long time, and now with Tap to Pay on iPhone, you can take your business to the next level too. So visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone to learn more. Remember folks, with tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe, your business is always at your fingertips. Hmm. I'm, I'm curious, um, you know, we've been talking really a lot about the sort of inner work that has to get done um, in terms of overcoming anxiety. I'm curious what impact the sort of outer um, habits and um, day-to-day things that we do, like our use of technology, um, mm. screen time, uh, you know, what we eat, exercise, sleep. What are what are the links between that and anxiety? And, and you know, what is your work shown around that? Huge. I mean, massive. Uh, you know, a lot of. So if we start with exercise, um, if you think in uh, in terms of the fight, flight, or freeze response, uh, if you picture the gazelle running across the Serengeti or wherever it is, being chased by the lion, the gazelle will lay down and go into a freeze state. And when animals, when mammals come out of that, they shake, they jump around, they they quiver, and they do all this stuff to flush their nervous system. Um, that's why exercise is so beneficial for us humans is because when we experience emotion – um, and cry and shake. Uh, we're told to to calm down. We're told to stop. We're told to, you know, we're given a Kleenex and said, "Don't cry." People say, "Don't cry," but that's that's the natural way that we reset our system. So when we're very energetic, whether we're doing you know a sprints or we're lifting heavy weights, that allows our immune system to get that workout. Um, I also work with cold water therapy. It's why if you get in a freezing cold shower in the morning or jump in a cold ocean that you come out and feel so good afterwards because it's flushing it's basically flexing your nervous system like a muscle and testing it and then resetting it again so it kind of builds resilience over time so there's lots of um things that we can do externally food also is absolutely huge um i talk about you know, starting really at the basics, um, I use a, an, uh, an acronym CATS, which stands for caffeine, alcohol, tobacco, and sugar. Basically, none of those are good for anxiety for reasons of stimulating or um, suppressing our, um, you know, as stimulants. They're either lifting us up or putting us down, which, which doesn't feel good. Um, that's not to say that um, people with anxiety can never have a, have a cup of coffee. But it's kind of one of the easy places to start if you're feeling anxious. Mm-hmm. Um, and then from a food point of view, I've, you know, in my own life gone through, I, I've tried every diet under the sun, mainly to, to try and regulate my weight. But when I was trying to feel better, I started to get into paleo style diets. And then, you know, as is the more recent craze for the last couple of years, I've been on a ketogenic diet and I've been following um, the work of some of the the leaders in that space. Uh, I read a book a couple of years ago by Dr. Perlmutter, which is called Grain Brain, Mm -hmm. um, which talks about inflammation in our systems as a result of gluten, which contributes to early onset Alzheimer's and dementia and those sorts of things. And, And so if it contributes to that, can it also make a difference with depression, anxiety, and, and other things that we feel? I believe absolutely so. Um, and the bottom line is that when we consume diets high in carbohydrates and sugar, especially refined sugar, um, our blood sugar levels going up and then dropping off in a big way simulate a lot of the anxious feelings that we have. Um, so for me, it's about putting people on eating regimes that provide them with slow burning consistent fuel so they don't have these ups and downs of hunger and excitement and all the rest of it 
Um, so absolutely can have a huge impact. And then the more kind of holistic therapies, um, I believe journaling is huge. Um, meditation is huge and just creating space. Um, you know, a lot of the, the work that I've done on myself in terms of whether it's attending retreats or, or taking time out, um, has really been the most impactful because we're kind of, especially in the entrepreneurial world, we're always rushing to the next thing or trying to get the next idea complete whether it's updating the website or launching a new product or finishing a book as you're doing you're experiencing that at the moment but um building in time into our lives just to leave the phone switched off on the desk and go for a walk in nature um i'm lucky enough to live by the ocean as you do but or walk into the forest or walk into the park or whatever it is and just be on your own with your thoughts again um, that is a, a rare commodity and becoming increasingly rare. You know, it, it's interesting, you know, you talk about making space. Um, I, I've, I've realized more and more how important that is as, you know, I was forced to spend five days or so completely unplugged because, um, I was volunteering for a nonprofit on Montana that one of our listeners runs and there was no internet or cell access there. And for the first eight hours or so, it was kind of annoying and then I thought to myself about seven or nine, about nine hours in, I thought, you know, this is something we should do more often. This really makes you a mm. much better person. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I've listened to, I've, I've read like Cal Newport's book about deep mm. work and, um, yeah, I believe it in order to actually, you know, a lot of people are like, how do I find my passion? And they go from one blog post to the next podcast yeah. to read the next book. And I'm like, when have you actually fucking like just had your own thoughts and written them down on a piece of paper and create enough time to know what you think without yeah. absorbing everybody else's thoughts. Um, so yeah, I think that, you know, the way that the technology is going is, is that y- your ability as a human being to disconnect and to be on your own is, you know, and this sounds ridiculous to say it, but you're going to be, you know, in a, in a very small rarefied space <laughs> if you can consistently do that. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. And I think the benefits of it are really interesting. I'm curious, kind of, um, in your own work, what have you found about the relationship between technology and anxiety? It's high. I mean, a lot of the people that I work with, um, both one-on-one and in my retreats, uh, they they wake up to their cell phone under the pillow or next to them. Um, they, I mean, at my worst, I would wake up for a for a pee in the middle of the night and check my email at three in the morning because I had customers in different countries. Um, and, and your, your internal world is, is so much being dictated by the, the things on your feed, um, that you're, you're handing over control of your destiny to something else. Wow. I don't think and, in, and in, and in, in, in line with, you know, in America, all the recent political stuff that's been going on and whether you, you know, whether you voted for or against that, um, you know, I, I don't watch the news. Um, I don't turn the TV on. I don't turn the radio on in the car. Um, and as you know, my dad might say, well, that's you need to know what's going on in the world, Timothy. You should be paying attention. But the reality is, is that we're so connected today is that a I find out anyway uh-huh. at some point and B I just I don't need to be plugged into that all the time I need my own space to process my own thoughts yeah yeah for sure so I'm curious um how this whole experience of, of dealing with anxiety leaving the job all of that has impacted um your relationship with your wife and also how it's changed the way that you raised kids mm. great question um so, well, now I get to work from home and I kind of, I do go away and travel to speak or to, to run events and stuff, but I, I'm, I'm around a lot more and, uh, they tell me that that's a good thing. Um, cause I just wasn't around a lot before, but we've kind of like, as a result of the stuff happening to me, we've kind of collectively invested more in all of our health. Um, I came back to you know, I left my job and I, I spent a, a, a couple of years investing in real estate and starting that as a kind of passive income side business, but came back to um, the anxiety story because as I started to tell it, I realized that um, 
it's not talked about enough. And, you know, as I mentioned earlier, the default of medication and and kind of burying it effectively is so prevalent um, for, for lots of reasons we won't go into. But it's so prevalent. There needs to be more voices around holistic approaches or ways that people can can kind of interact with that. And so, yeah, so I just started day one putting it out there. And as we do in this kind of we have the absolute privilege today in this entrepreneurial space of creating something we love that has meaning. Um, that's really just what I've kept doing. And one story I'll tell you is, is that my eldest son, who's now 11, last year had a school project and he had to write down, he had a little pre-filled form and he had to fill in who his hero was and why and all the rest of it. And um, he said, my hero is my dad because my dad's dedicated, you know, at least the the current work that he does to helping other people who are struggling in their lives, helping people with anxiety, and and he's created a business doing that. And um, you know, I just broke down like a uh, a bowl of jelly when I when I read that because it's such a you know we we, we often tell our kids to do this or do that or try and be this and. Um, you know, as the, the, the widely used Gandhi quote goes, you know, be the change you wish to see in the world. And through doing my own thing, that's the best, uh, education or the best guidance I could ever give my children is to say, follow your heart. You can create something from nothing and you can help other people. Um, so that was huge for me. You know, so a lot of parents listen to our show and I'm, I'm curious based on, um, this experience, what advice you would share with them? Um, I think, I think it's allowed me to, to deepen my relationship with my kids by just being more truthful around them. Um, I think prior to that, as a, as an adult with children, I was always like, you know, trying to pretend like I, I had all my shit together all the time and that I, I really wasn't struggling and that everything was okay. And when they had a, a problem in their lives, I would say, I would say, don't worry, it'll be fine. And, um, you know, since, since all this stuff's happened, I've had a lot of occasions where, um, just recently I, I got an email from a listener or from a client, um, telling me that I've changed their life. And I was just sat at the kitchen table reading this email and I started crying and my two oldest boys were like, why are you crying? And I said, <sighs> I, I said this email I just read, it's, uh, you know, it's very emotional based on this lady and I shared it with them and, and then they've got tears in their eyes. And, and so I think, you know, not trying to be something other than just myself around them has, has made our relationship so much closer. Um, it's so much easier for them to come to me now with their own struggle um, because I said, you know, I say to them, like my, my life isn't perfect. Um, and I don't feel great all the time, but I do a lot of things in my life to, to, um, you know, put me in the right direction and, and build something that I, a, a life that I love living. And, um, and so, yeah, I think it's just being truthful or speaking my truth allows them to speak theirs. So I'm curious, um, how you think about money, uh, differently after this experience. I mean, you know, if you're a VP of sales and you know, you're doing what you were, I'm guessing you were probably making a decent chunk of change. Uh, so I, I I'm always curious as to how somebody's story around money changes after something mm. like this. Like, did you give up making a lot of money and did you take a significant, you know, pay cut to go and do this? And, and how have things changed, mm. you know, in, with your relationship to money as a byproduct of this? Yes. I, I would love to talk about that. So I was making a lot of money before, but it felt hollow. Um, so I would make a lot of money. I would spend a lot of money and I couldn't, I kind of didn't really appreciate it. I just thought, of course. And I would often go into my employer and say, I heard so-and-so at another firm is making more money. I need a pay rise. And they'd say, okay. Um, my friend, um, my a very good friend of mine coined the term. We had this in-depth discussion one day over at coffee and he coined the term grass fed cash. Um, we're in this culture so much today of like grass fed beef and all this healthy, naturally raised food. And, and so we're having this discussion around the creation of money through doing work, which has meaning 
this sort of organic, beautiful work which impacts people and change lives and feels good. So to get paid for to to have a livelihood as a result of not just you know some people talk about money as energy, so not just receiving the the financial tangible stuff, but also the goodwill energy. Um, because as you know, some people listen to your podcast and they'll never spend a penny with you, but you may change their life. You have changed their life in some way. Um, so sometimes you get paid in that, in just that good universal energy. And sometimes it's in, it's actually in money, but that was kind of our, our conversation around grass fed cash is imagine if you, if you live a life full of, you know, abundance on the basis of producing great things that help people that just feels so much more powerful than just creating money for the sake of it at your detriment so um two last questions for you um one is about books and this has always been really interesting if there's one book that you could recommend to our audience that has profoundly influenced your life um what would that be um yeah, so for me, uh, it would, I mean, this is a bit of a, a, a maybe a, an obvious one for many listeners, but I go back to the four-hour work week with, with Tim Ferriss. Yeah. Um, and the reason of that one is, is just it just was the first inkling of like, oh, my God, there's a different way to do this. Um, it doesn't have to be in an office in a suit every day, which was what I was doing at the time. And so that got me dreaming and pondering about the possibilities of like maybe I could – um, create something which means that I could work from different locations or work at different times of the day um, and build something for myself. So I'm going to extend the question. What is an uncommon book that um, you'd recommend, something that doesn't normally come up that is on your list? Um, that is a good question. Yeah, I mean, I I go to another, you know, Stephen Pressfield, The Art of War, which talks about resistance, um, but it's not really an uncommon book because lots of people know that one. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I I don't know if I have a a, a great uncommon book. I think uh, I've. I've read so much stuff at this point that, <laughs> and, and and most of my stuff uh, these days is around. You know, here's an uncommon book, which is profoundly changed me but it's very recent um it's by robert whittaker is the name of the author and it's called um the uh now i've totally lost the, the name of the book as well um anatomy of an epidemic um but it talks about the fact that um modern medicine and how we treat mental disorders or neurological conditions has really only been around for the last 50 or 60 years. Mm -hmm. And prior to that, people were healed on a much higher, much more effective rate with holistic therapies. And so we've kind of, we're going through this full circle where we realize that things have been pushed for, for kind of big business reasons, as opposed to what's best for the people. Mm -hmm. Um, and that, you know, inspires me to, to, you know, raise my voice and, and talk more about, um, the, the stuff that I'm interested in. Well, this has been really, really thought-provoking and uh, eye-opening and insightful, as, as I expected it would be. So I have one last question, which I'm sure you've heard me ask. What do you think it is that makes somebody or something unmistakable? I think the thing that, for me, that makes people unmistakable is their vulnerability. Um, I'm very blessed in my work in that when I speak and tell my story, it attracts people's truth. It attracts people to open up and tell me what's going on in their mind, what's going on in their lives. And so I think, you know, when I hear that, it's like, it's just beautiful. Um, and it allows me to connect to them, you know, more than, than you would ever connect to people without it. Well, um, this has been awesome. Where, where can people uh, learn more about you and your work? Yeah, so a uh, couple of places, anxietypodcast.com is, uh, is my podcast where I talk more about anxiety and life and that kind of stuff. Um, and you'll find lots of resources on there. Um, my social media handle is Tim J P Collins. So you can find me on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook, connect, um, say hi and, uh, yeah, get in touch. Awesome. And for everybody listening, we will wrap the show with that. 
Thank you for listening to this episode of the Unmistakable Creative Podcast. While you were listening, were there any moments you found fascinating, inspiring, instructive, maybe even heartwarming? Can you think of anyone, a friend or a family member who would appreciate this moment? If so, take a second and share today's episode with that one person, because good ideas and messages are meant to be shared. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Have you ever felt a twinge of worry about AI taking over your job or diluting your creativity? Well, what if you could turn that fear into creative fuel? We've just published an amazing new ebook called The Four Keys to Success in an AI World. And this is more than just a guide. It's a deep exploration into the human skills that AI can't touch. The skills that are essential for standing out and thriving, no matter how much technology evolved. We're talking about real differentiators here like creativity, emotional intelligence, critical thinking, and much more. Inside, you'll find actionable insights and strategies to develop these skills, whether you're a creative person, a business person, or just simply someone who loves personal development. This isn't a story about tech taking over. It's a story of human creativity thriving alongside AI. Picture this AI as your creative co-pilot, not just as a tool, but a collaborator that enhances your unique human skills. The Four Keys ebook will show you exactly how to do that and view AI in a new way that empowers you instead of overshadows you. Transform your creative potential today. Head over to unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys. Use the number four, K-E-Y-S. That's unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys and download your free copy.